I'm Joe Dawson Gerard, and on this week's Back Your People, I'm talking to Heather Lunny from our employment team on one of the most eye-wateringly complicated pieces of employment legislation that many of our operators come across, more commonly known as TUPI. We talk about what it is, when it applies, and how you as an operator can avoid its sting in the tail. If you like this podcast, please rate and review and follow. And as ever, thanks so much for listening. We do appreciate it. So I was visiting a client the other week and that client told me that unfortunately they'd been unsuccessful on a retender for one of their routes. It was a bus company. They were chatting to me about the number of employees that were tooping out. And it occurred to me how toopy, which we'll get to in terms of definition shortly, has become a commonplace issue or occurrence amongst our clients and operators we know. But when I was at law school, it was one of the most complicated pieces of legislation to wrap my head around. And therefore, I thought it might be useful, Heather, to debunk a few of the myths about what it is, when it applies, and why it can be such an issue. Okay, so let's start with what is TUPI. Mm -hmm. So it's an acronym used to refer to a piece of employment legislation called the Transfer of Undertakings Protection of Employment Regulations, which came out in 2006. Just uh, drips off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) You can understand why it's been shortened. You're right, Joe. it's perhaps one of the most complex and rigid employment laws that we've currently got in force. But it's particularly important in my understanding, because if a business gets it wrong, it can cost a lot of money, can't it? It can. It's complicated and there's lots of room for error. So when does it apply? So there's two situations in which the regulations will apply. First, on a business transfer. So that's where a business or part of one is effectively sold to another. It doesn't apply to share sales. A lot of sales are share sales, aren't they? But it does not apply to a share sale. It doesn't in general, no. It will apply to those transfer of businesses where assets are being transferred usually. The second situation in which it will apply and which is far more common and will be much more familiar to our clients is where there is a service provision change and what that effectively means. I was about to say what does that mean? (laughs) Is where services are contracted out, they are brought back in-house or they are moved from one contractor to another. Okay. So a second generation. Understood. So I use the example of a route change, but presumably also cleaners. We see it a lot with cleaners. So a company will perhaps outsource their cleaning Mm -hmm. to a contractor. So if you've got anybody employed in-house, then Tupi will apply. And what's the effect of Tupi applying? What happens? So generally, it's in the name, isn't it? It's protection of employment. So it operates to protect employees' rights on a transfer. So it's an employee-focused piece of protection, isn't it? Yeah. And the main effect of it applying is Mm -hmm. that the employment of any relevant employees Mm -hmm. is automatically transferred from one business to another. If you think of it in simple terms, employees follow the work. Oh, I see. That's a good way to think of it. And do they transfer on better terms, worse terms? or So 
Again, the effect of Tupi is that the employees transfer on all their existing terms and conditions, including their continuous service. You may inherit staff through a service provision change who may have significantly better terms and conditions than your own existing staff. They could be on a par, they could be a lot less. But that could put the cat amongst the pigeons, potentially. Yes, because... It's very, and I, I won't go into it in significant detail for the purposes of this podcast, but the general rule of thumb is in the context of a cheaper transfer, you can't change terms and conditions. So if you've got you know, staff that come in who are entitled to six months company sick pay, for instance, mm-hmm. you can't then change that to harmonise it with your existing staff who may be on SSP only. It requires complex planning if you want to make any changes, doesn't it? Which we, it was outside the scope of today, I think. Yeah. So who transfers? I think when we were talking before, you had quite a good example of how that works. Who transfers? It's a matter of fact, essentially. But the rule is that anybody assigned to the work that's transferring would be in scope to transfer. So if I gave you a straightforward example, you've got 10 employees yeah you have you operate a particular route and you've got three employees that always drive that route you've lost that route those three employees would transfer again they would follow the work follow the work that's a really good way to think of it and similarly then what happens if you've lost the work and an employee objects to the transfer they just don't want to leave you they don't want to leave I suppose the main point is that you can't contract out of cheapy. So you can't decide whether it applies or not. It happens by operation of law. It's a matter of fact. But likewise, you can't force somebody to go and work for somebody else. So whilst the employment will automatically transfer, employees have the right to object under cheapy. Mm-hmm. So they can say, don't want to go and work for operator X. I'm going to object. And the the effect of that is that on the transfer date, their employment comes to an end, comes to an end with you, and there's no transfer to the new provider. It's almost as if they've resigned. There's no redundancy entitlements or claims against either party. Which is logical if the employee follows the work and there is no work and the employee doesn't want to transfer. Now, getting on to some of the procedure without going into too much detail, I seem to recall there are three key things that used to shout liability at me when I uh, have advised on transactions with this on. Generally, the first part of the process is that the outgoing employer provides to the incoming employer what's known as employee liability information and that's basically a specific list containing various information including all the terms and conditions they have to provide that at least 28 days before the transfer right and then on receipt of that the incoming employee will obviously review that and decide if they need to make any changes and that's what we call measures and again I'm not going to go into the specifics because that's quite complex as well. The next part of the process is the duty to inform staff. So that's tell them what's happening. Tell them what's happening. Now, one of the common misconceptions is that you can just directly inform all relevant staff. 
that's not the case. The regulations are very specific that you have to inform either trade union representatives that are already in place where you've got a unionised workplace or even if you're not unionised, you have to have employee representatives in place for, for the purposes of the cheapy process, if you will. Oh, so even if you're not unionised, that bites. Yes. So there would be an election process yeah. where your workforce elect representatives. There is an exemption to that if you are a micro business with 10 or fewer okay. employees, you can then just inform and consult directly with, with all the affected employees. And the reason I mention that is because there is there are some changes coming to the regulations probably next year that propose to simplify some of the process around informing and consulting staff slightly. And what they've done is the requirement to inform employee reps. They've removed that requirement for those businesses with less than 50 employees right, and for transfers affecting less than 10 employees. So if I put it in simple terms, you, you're a company that employs 40 staff. Uh-huh. You've lost a specific route that five employees are assigned to. You could then just directly inform and consult those five employees. Which will be much more straightforward practically, won't it? Than having to engage or elect representatives, yes. And the third area that's important at this stage? So the duty to consult. Which is different to inform. Yeah, so people look at it as one and the same. Mm. It's a very specific two-stage process under Cheapy. So there's a duty to inform and then the duty to consult only kicks in if the incoming provider is proposing to take any measures that you need to consult with the staff about and obtain agreement. So that's changing terms, really. It is, which sounds odd, doesn't it? Because earlier I said you can't can't change change terms. terms. But you can for specific reasons. And again, I won't get into the technical And I think I, I also said things can be done. It's just complicated and needs planning. Yeah, so generally, the most obvious is that there tends to always be a relocation change. Okay. Because if you're going to a new company, there's going to be a workplace relocation. You can't avoid that. Even if it's just down the road. Yeah, so you'd need to consult with staff about that. Um, things like holiday years might not align so they might want to harmonize the holiday years or payroll dates for instance there is a opportunity to consult with staff pre-transfer to get to reach agreement on things like that so realistically they'll often have to consult anyway Mm. and what happens if there's a failure to inform and consult those employees affected can bring claims in the employment tribunal Potential awards that can be made are up to 13 weeks actual pay per employee. So that's the nastiest thing in the tail I was talking about before. It is. And there's a joint. So both. And again, it's probably getting a bit more technical than what we intended. But both parties, so the outgoing and the ingoing, are jointly and severally liable for that. So there's obligations on both sides. To make it work. To make it work. So. Potentially quite a lot of money if one employee gets wind. Yes, because 
it generally wouldn't just be that one employee that brings the claim. He'll go and gather all these mates, mates together who <laughs> were subject to the transfer as well. And you'll get one from all. So, Heather, I'm going to ask for one top tip today, and I think I might know what it is. What's your top toopy tip? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me for three, Joe, because I've only actually got one today. And that is, I can't stress how important it is to take advice to make sure that you're complying with all the specifics and the technicalities of cheapy in the process. So my one top tip for today is take advice. Thanks, Heather. See you next time. Thank you.